That's right. Welcome in. It is another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, presented by No Vape, Idaho Public Television's campaign to raise awareness about the dangers of youth vaping. Be smart. Don't start. Brandon Bainey here with our uh, Magic Valley expert to break down the biggest stories week in, week out in the great state of Idaho in District 4. The Magic Valley. That's what we're all about here. You can watch this prep cast every single week on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter account. We do the show live. We don't always know what time we're going to do it, but if you subscribe, especially to our YouTube channel, uh, you'll get a notification uh, every time we plan on going live. And so that's the easiest way to track there. Of course, you can always watch a replay of this prep cast anytime at Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. And you can also listen to this podcast every week on IdahoSports.com, as well as wherever you download and subscribe to podcasts. All right, let's bring on our expert from the Magic Valley now. It's DJ Scotty B, an oldie but a goodie. Scott, what's going on? Hey, yo, Brandon, what's shaking? Just uh, we are cruising down the final stretches of uh, the district tournament. State brackets will be set here shortly. And uh, boy, it has just been busy, busy, busy. Yeah, this is the time of year, Scott, where we kind of transform into our alter egos, right? I'm no longer Brandon Bainey. I'm Brackets Bainey, or as some of our other prep casters have started calling me Bulletin Board Bainey for all of the <laughs> predictions I make that aren't true uh, in terms uh, of our bracketology. Yeah, that's, that's the best part of it. That's the best part of being a <laughs> prognosticator or anything like that is you are absolutely providing bulletin board material, cannon fodder. It is, hey, that's part of the job, man. And and I always say, you know, with my predictions, uh, I love being wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'll come back and own it to whichever fan base I offended. So I think I'm, I think I'm okay in the Magic Valley. I don't think I've ruffled too many feathers yet. So uh, not yet. We'll see. Uh, we'll see about tonight. You know, you've got one out there that is uh, mm. got some attention. You know, but yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Okay. We'll get to that one later. Yes, we will. And Scott, this is the time of year where you kind of transform into DJ Scotty B. Of course, uh, Jerome fans and the Jerome community know all about your your music selection skills and your ability to get on the mic and hype up the crowd. But this is the time of year when uh, everybody in the Magic Valley really learns because Jerome hosts uh, you know, all of these district tournaments and you're getting to see new schools and new faces. Mm -hmm. And it's really a fun deal. Oh, it's, it's a blast. And, uh, you know, not being, you know, just the AD there, but I'm, I get on the mic for uh, the public address guy for all of our games, but that entails sometimes, um, playing music over the awesome sound system that we have. And so the other night we had uh, a game and the band was gone. And so I had to fill in. And since I can only play like, you know, like the recorder and maybe those little finger snapper thingers, but, I had to go spin some records. So I've, I've got my, my phone plugged in and I've got a playlist timeouts. It's like blasting, you know, all night long throughout the entire game. And, and I, and I get this a lot and it's not anything that I'm doing. It's just that the choice of music that I choose to play um, comes over. I mean, people come up and say, you know what? That's the best music that we've heard, and they're all my age because where I'm, I'm playing old rock and roll, and I'm about playing any of the that new stuff that you know the kids are listening to these days. That is not allowed in my gymnasium, 
And so I'm playing like, like just hits from the past and it's a whole different experience. And so I had, a, I had a guy come up to me after that game and he goes, you know what, for your next podcast, you should be the DJ. And I'm like, all right, done. <laughs> Perfect. So here we go. DJ Scotty B and a little fun fact for you back in the day. I, I was a DJ. I had my own business and I was playing private parties and, and dances and bar mitzvahs and <laughs> whatever else. So, yeah, so it, it does, it takes me back a little bit. Fun. It's always a good time for sure. You know, anytime you're talking about a playlist, I always think of, uh, I don't know if you watch the show, Scott, but I'm sure you heard, uh, I've heard of it. How I met your mother kind of oh, came yeah. out in the mid 2000s. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, the character Barney on the show, he's played by, yeah. uh, by, uh, oh my gosh. Neil Patrick. Neil yeah. Neil Patrick Harris. Harris. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's talking one time and he's like, you know, everybody thinks a good playlist has to rise and fall. That's false. It's all rise, baby. That's all this play <laughs> playlist is. It's all rise. And then he kicks it off with Bon Jovi, you know, uh, you yes. a bad name. <laughs> yes, exactly. See Barney and I, uh, we got it. We got it going on. So, I mean, yeah. I, I agree the same way. A good oh. playlist has all rise for sure. Well, certain teams, Scott, have started to rise up to the occasion here in the postseason as we are approaching the final two days of district tournament competition across yeah. the state. We'll have some district games tonight, one or two district games tomorrow night, and then obviously all of the state tournament play-in games taking place Saturday across the state as well and so we are going to run through the latest girls basketball bracket developments here uh we will show you the brackets up on the screen so if you're watching uh along here you just got to sit back and enjoy i always tell people make the screen full size it's a little easier to read the brackets that way if you're listening audio only at idahosports.com or wherever you download podcasts um, you can follow along. We have all the district brackets on our homepage at idahosports.com. Every bracket, every district around the state, and you can uh, click on the brackets and follow along that way. Scott, I will also programming note uh, our regularly scheduled Magic Valley Prepcast next week will be interrupted with our annual girls basketball state preview special. Yep. Um, and so I'll just mention this now. Boys basketball district tournaments get started next week, Scott. One district in East Idaho already started. And so we have all of the boys basketball district brackets right now on our homepage at idahosports.com as well. And as regular season play wraps up this weekend, we will begin filling in the teams on the brackets also. So be on the yep. lookout for that. Yep. Busy time, busy time. And the last three days here of the girls district tournament is just frantic. You know, we had some teams clinch last night. We have some second berths being offered tonight, play-in games on Saturday. So the final three days of a district tournament are bananas. Uh, I mean, it, it is high-impact, tense situations, and, um, and, and it's going on all over the state, and I love it. All right, well, let's start in chronolog chronological order with the teams that clinched the earliest, uh, and that would take us to, Scott, the Class 3A Sawtooth Central Idaho Conference, the SCIC. Wednesday night, uh, Filer and Kimberly, the rematch. Uh, and again, these yeah. teams split in the regular season. 
Filer won the undefeated semifinal last Wednesday, 45 to 41. Very tight game. Kimberly gets back through the backside of the bracket. And again, very close game, but Filer pulls it out 44 to 38. So the Wildcats have now won five consecutive district championships. They're at state for the fifth consecutive year. And now Kimberly advances to this state play-in game here where they will have to play McCall Donnelly. This will be Saturday, 1 p.m. at Mountain Home High School. So for Kimberly, hey, they don't have to travel that far. McCall Donnelly, meanwhile, that's a pretty significant road trip for them. Uh, it, it really is. You know, and this is an interesting, you know, McCall Donnelly team just because, you know, this was a team that uh, they got upset in the opening round of their district tournament. Um, Parma knocked them off. And it was just, I mean, they came in as a number two seed leading their conference, you know, uh, record wise, as they finished up with like the 14 and seven record, eight and two in their conference. And now they are going to the play in game and Parma, the number three seed is the one that gets the, the birth. So, you know, McCall Donnelly down the stretch a little bit kind of struggled. I mean, they barely got to this game because when you look at what they had to go through, um, after getting knocked off by Parma, they drubbed Homedale, but then they needed overtime to get by number four Weezer and get to that play in game, which will take place uh, tomorrow at Mountain Home at one o'clock. So I mean, you have to wonder if McCall Donnelly is just kind of stumbling down the stretch a little bit. Um, I do like Kimberly in this one. I think they are incredibly athletic, uh, but it should be a good game in Mountain Home tomorrow. And here's the part, Scott, where I start uh, alienating the good folks in the Magic Valley on my bracketology projections all along from the start of district play to now. I updated every mid-morning with my latest projections and who's clinched, and I go over the biggest stories of the night uh, prior in district tournament action. I've had Kimberly in this play-in game the entire time, and I have had Kimberly falling every single day I've done this. The opponent has changed at times. I just really believe in this McCall Donnelly team. Kimberly is also very talented, and if I'm uh -huh. wrong, I'll come back and wear it. But <laughs> you know, I'm, you're right. I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm a little bit biased to our you know Magic Valley teams and want them to win. You know, but uh, I mean, on, if we're being honest, and I take off that hat and I put on the broadcaster media hat, Kimberly's got the work cut out for him. I mean, there's no no question about it. I don't think anybody saw McCall Donnelly being in this position. Um, it's not that Kimberly can't win this ball game because they certainly can, but it, it's going to be a little bit tougher than I think this particular play in game people thought would be because I don't think McCall Donnelly was supposed to be there. Right. And McCall Donnelly has an, a dynamic athlete in Gabby Green. She can walk yeah. into the gym and just get 25 points pretty yeah. effortlessly. The, the key is for them, who else is going to step up? And that loss to Parma. Parma basically said, we're going to do everything we can to stop Gabby Green. Now, she still went out and got 18. And so that's what the defense face guarding her the entire night. But yeah. the problem is only three players in total scored for McCall Donnelly in that loss to Parma. And that's well, a serious problem. That is a problem. I mean, Gabby Green, the, the senior guard is, you know, she is the one that she's the, the conductor, you know, but it's going to be about that supporting cast stepping up and getting it done. I mean, this is really kind of a young McCall Donnelly team. I mean, they've only got two seniors on their roster. This is a bunch of sophomores and juniors. And those young kids are going to have to step up and give Gabby a little bit of help because she's not, you know, when you play teams like that that have the star, 
you know what? You almost have to let them get theirs. Just try to minimize the damage, but it's always the supporting cast that ends up biting you. And that's what Kimberly's going to have to be aware of. Yeah. One more fun fact for the Kimberly fans that are going to go watch this on Saturday. You're going to notice three players on that McCall Donnelly roster with the last name Arnold, and they're all juniors. And so I asked and, and found out they're all sisters. So you're like, oh, triplets. Wow, that's pretty cool. No, they have a brother. Maddox Arnold, who was the quarterback for the football team and also plays basketball for the boys team. He is also a junior. It's quadruplets, Scott. It's these three girls and then yeah. Maddox, the boy. Isn't that crazy? I mean, not a lot of not a lot of people know that, but but what a what an amazing story that is. I mean, you don't get twins a lot, let alone triplets. Quadruplets? Are you kidding me? In a small town like like McCall and Donnelly in that area? Boy, what a, what a cool time for that family coming through just to have all of those kids be athletes, you know, uh, how, how fun for them. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, and here I, right away, Logan Green in the, in the chat here, our Treasure Valley prep caster, Bulletin Board Bainey. Yep. It's already started. So we, <laughs> I'm going McCall Donnelly, but I would love to see Kimberly advance to state, obviously. And, and for Filer, uh, you know, they're, this, this is a 3A tournament field that's wide open i think scott you know every yeah. team that has made it kind of has warts if you will no team is like you know teton comes in with the best record um but this is a new position for them and so i really do think filer with the athletes that they have can go there and be disruptive defensively especially oh yeah no question about it i mean teton is the one that everybody's kind of looking at i mean they're the number one team in the state they're uh, just rolling right now. They're unanimous number one uh, coming in at 20 and one on the season, you know, and, and you talk about McCall Donnelly, there they are. I mean, they're in the latest coaches poll anyway, uh, tied for fifth with Fruitland. But, uh, you know, you look at the other teams on that list and not getting votes is any Magic Valley team. It's, you know, Timberlake and Snake River, Sugar. I mean, the usual suspects are there. Um, but uh, there's some really good 3A teams this year. Yep. And uh, yeah, Sugar did not make it to state for the first yeah. time in several years. So yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And you don't hear that very often. Sugar is kind of like the the Bishop Kelly of the East, where they are just a constant presence at every state tournament. And for them not to be there is a little different. Yep, for sure. So uh, congrats to Filer. Good luck to Kimberly on Saturday, 1 o'clock at Mountain Home High School against McCall Donnelly. Okay, Scott, the next tournament that had a, a district championship decided was also Wednesday night. This is at the 2A Canyon Conference. Just a little intimate two-team affair here between Declo and Wendell. Uh, Declo, it's a best of three series. Declo won game one Monday night, 58-27. Wendell pushed him in that second game Wednesday, 40-30. to The Hornets got the 10-point win, and we talked about this. We thought Wendell probably a year away still very young team but mm -hmm. if you're coach tia stanley you have to be proud of how your girls responded in in what ended up being the season finale yeah I, you did i mean you go into this thing and knowing that you know declo is the overwhelming favorite and it's just one of those situations to where if you're the kids from wendell you're not expected to win but you you wonder as a coach are we even going to put up a fight right i mean we got slapped around by almost 30 the first time around what are we going to do you know and they came back and they battled 
And so even though it was a loss for Wendell, we talked about this before. This is a young team, a young program. And they needed that positive note at the end to springboard themselves into something next year. And even though they lost, um, I think that was a positive step for this young Wendell team. I mean, to battle, not go to state, we knew that was going to happen, but they put up a fight, and that's what you want to see. And then on the other side of the coin, Declo advances to state once again. Very nice season for Coach Cody Powers, 17-5. and five. And they are really, Scott, kind of the one wild card because they just haven't played anybody that's also going to be at this state tournament. You know, they have some pretty big wins over uh, a Malad team, you know, or they played a Malad team pretty tight and lost by four. But guess what? Malad didn't make it to state out of districts. They played a really good Firth team and lost in overtime um, twice to Firth. And we thought that was going to be a team that got to state. Well, they didn't make it either. They got upset. Both of those teams, Malad and Firth, got upset as higher seeds against lower-seeded teams and were kaput. So Declo is the kind of the one wild card. They haven't actually played. Now, they've played Ambrose, who could get there in a play-in game, but um, Declo is the one team that I'm not sure. Everybody else has kind of played each other this year. They're kind of the one wild card in this whole thing. Well, you know, and that's that's part of the problem that, this particular conference has sometimes or some, you know, conferences um, from year to year, if you don't battle within your conference, you're not really going to the state tournament, sometimes battle tested. And there's something to be said about that. And that's why we talk about that one AD one conference so much is because they just beat the snot out of each other week after week. And we get some of these conferences that, that don't, there's just too many doormats that just aren't really good and you don't get challenged. You don't learn how to win close. You don't learn how to battle week to week. You know, and, and those are the things that are going to make a difference at a state tournament. You know, and we talk about this, and I'm going to liken it to, you know, perhaps, you know, college football just a little bit, right? Um, back when the BCS busting was going on and everybody was like, well, hey, Boise State, they should be there. And, and granted, they had some great teams, and I'm a Boise State fan, but the argument never was one because it's not about getting yourself up for one game. It's about getting yourself up week after week after week and being battle tested and beat up and knowing how to fight. That's the, what you need going into a state tournament, you know, and some of these teams aren't getting that and they may be really good, but if they just would have been pushed in the regular season a little bit more, I think maybe a different result could happen at the state tournament, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and Declo did the best they could, right? They're in a tough position of you have two dates that are guaranteed in your conference, and then, hey, good luck. Go find 18 more. Um, it's 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 right. a tough spot to be in, but and they did the best they could. They did play they did. Raft River. They played and Oakley Filer. and Filer. So. Yeah, and even took on Oakley. You know, So they're doing the best they can, and that's not a knock necessarily on – on anybody. That's just the way it is. But what that does as a coach, and I've been in this situation before where now all of a sudden I have got to find some way for my team to compete. I got to find, I got maybe create battles within my own team. Um, you know, when I was coaching the boys, we, or the girls rather, um, after I moved over from the boys, you know, we had a really, really good girls basketball team that were just at state every year, making runs, whatever. And we were having a problem getting some competition. 
uh, in the area and, and within our own team sometimes. So what we did is we started scrimmaging our boys team, um, our boys, not varsity, they would have killed us, but like we brought in the JB boys and just played them relentlessly. And we told them, you do not take it easy on us. And so we got to see a bigger, faster, stronger team day after day after day because we weren't getting it on our schedule. And so as a coach, when you have those situations, you've got to get creative. You've got to find a way to keep your team competitive and, and battle tested. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough road to travel, but uh, Declo does it every year with no complaints mm -hmm. and they're 17 and five going into state. Yep. We'll see how that all shakes out. All yep. right, Scott, you mentioned it, that one, a D one snake river conference. What a wild tournament this has been all week long. And I want to give a shout out to the, uh, the times news in twin falls. You know, there was a period of time where uh, there was like no sports coverage whatsoever from the times news. They have got a great editor, uh, Adam Engel in place now and some really good staff writers. They've been knocking it out of the park with their coverage of all of this district tournament action that's been going on. It's been enjoyable to follow their recaps of it. Yeah. Um, and why, why you're on that, you know, um, that was huge resurrection of the times news. And I hope they get it back. I want to shout out to Diane Philbin though, too, as she was one that really tirelessly tried to get that resurrected. Um, and then handed it off to Adam and I hope they run with it and do a, do a fantastic job. Yep. And, and so, the, and that's what we need from our local media partners. Uh, absolutely Scott. So it's been, it's been very enjoyable. Um, this has been a crazy tournament. I guess we have to start, uh, with what happened Tuesday night. And I guess technically this was the first tournament that got decided, but I wanted to not go with the most dramatic thing first. Um, let's start with this third place game over here or this fourth place game raft river the defending state champion scott get knocked out by valley now we talked wow. all the way at the start of the season and we both said hey this valley team's got some players lexi hudig is a great scorer um, uh -huh. they've got a, a, a first year coach in uh derek malone but they've got good athletes keep an eye on them they knock out raft river by three 47 to 44. Let's start there. The defending state champions from Raft River out at districts. Wow. That is a, a surprise, you know, and we, we, we knew that there were teams in this, you know, conference. I mean, and again, this is what I just got done talking about. If you know how to fight and you are constantly in these types of games, then they don't bother you as much down the stretch. And when you are in this particular conference, you know each other so well that it, any given night, anything can happen. And Valley was just that team on the outside, just kind of sitting in that, that four spot in the conference, just good enough to maybe beat one of these top three teams and sneak in, but really off everybody's radar. Because when you are battling the likes of Murtaugh and Oakley and Raft River, you are kind of like at the kiddie table after that. But there are enough teams in this conference, and Valley just kind of hung out in the shadows and just went, you know what, all right, it's time to strike, let's go. And they pulled the big, big upset by knocking off Raft River, and I don't know if many really saw that one, that one coming. 5.39 to play in the game, Scott. Valley is down by seven. 
38 to 31. Oh yeah. And then the comeback. Yeah. On top of that, they close it out on a 16 to six run uh, to get the come from behind victory. Valley did not lead until there was 238 remaining in the game. Joni Lewis hit a mid range jumper, put Valley in front 40 to 38. Um, and then not only that, but with 10.2 seconds left, Joni Lewis goes to the free throw line, hits two huge free throws to put Valley back in front by three, 47 to 44. Raph Rivers got one shot at it. There's 10 seconds left, but they try to go to Reagan Jones at, at midcourt. Lexi Hudig steals the pass, dribbles out the clock, and Raph River gets snuffed out. That was a huge win for Valley and a first-year coach in, in Derek Malone. Great job. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I know Derek. Derek's a, a friend of mine, and um, he comes from that that lineage in Valley of, of Malone. I mean, uh, Rod Malone, longtime uh, administrator, coach, figure, still is over there. So congratulations to Derek. Uh, that's, that is huge. And now he's got one more. He's not there yet, but he's got one more coming, and he's going to have to take on uh, Lakeside out of, out of the north. And uh, this is a, a lakeside team that finished, you know, right around 500. Uh, really three teams in that conference. Wallace is the one that's the big dog there. But lakeside, I mean, they've got some, they've got some players. They ended with a bunch of wins down the stretch, getting hot at the right time. But, you know, Valley's going to have to go all the way up now to Grangeville to play this, this game against, uh, against lakeside to get to the tournament. Yeah, we'll talk about that play-in game here uh, in just a moment. So that was the table setter Tuesday night at the College of Southern Idaho. Then the championship happened, and somehow that was even more incredible. Murtaugh and yeah. Oakley and the Hornets. Hey, I'm going to I'm gonna boast here because coming into this thing, my very first bracketology, I said, you know what? I like Oakley to win this thing and be the district champions as the three or as the number two seed. And they pulled it off 41 to 40. The final over Murtaugh. Um, and then this was kind of a, a, a wild back and forth fourth quarter. The teams are trading leads. I think the lead changed hands six times over the final like five minutes, Scott. That is just an all-time classic of a game. Oh, it's it's punch and counterpunch. You know, two heavyweights going at it. Um, and just really who had the ball last, you know, who was going to get the last shot. And, you know, it – I mean, it was an instant classic over at CSI, and congratulations to to Oakley, you know, the number two seed out of the conference. I don't think anybody is really surprised. They wouldn't have been surprised if Murtaugh won. Wouldn't have been surprised if Oakley won. Wouldn't have been surprised if Raph River won. <laughs> you know, so, but congratulations to Oakley. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, uh, Murtaugh took the lead 33-32 uh, with 4.46 to play. It was their first lead since the second quarter. So they Oakley was in control for a long time in this game. Um, and then Oakley's up 39-35. Courtney Jensen hits back-to-back -back layups to tie the game at 39-all uh, with 39 seconds to play. Oakley's got the ball, and Cambry Beck has it in the right corner. She goes for the shot fake. And then she takes one or two dribbles, buries a baseline jumper with 18.2 seconds to play, ends up being the game-winning bucket, essentially. Murtaugh makes one free throw from there. Um, and then kind of an interesting finish. There was like 1.4 seconds left, and Oakley was inbounding the basketball, and um, they, they threw it deep, you know, just trying to run out the clock. But the problem was the clock hadn't started. Um, and so 
they got together and we're just like, yeah, game's over. I mean, if the clock had started, it would have been over. It's just kind of an, an interesting finish. Didn't really impact anything too much, but just a right. wild night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've talked about, uh, Cambria and, and her ability and her athleticism and, you know, that's who you want taking the shot when it comes right down to it. You want your, you want your veteran and your, your star player taking the shot and the Beck name out of Oakley. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes and congratulations to, to them. And I'm interested to see how far they go, because this is like we said, a conference that is the best in the state when it comes to the one AD one ranks. And so they're going to go into this tournament knowing what it feels like to be in these close games. Yep. Oakley, uh, third year in a row there at state Scott, and they are doing it with a first year coach too, Kristen Jones. Uh, she was yeah. the assistant for a long time under Matt Payton. He retired in the yep. off season. And so coach Jones getting it done there at Oakley as well. Yeah, no. And, and congratulations to coach Jones. I mean, those are huge shoes to fill. I mean, we've talked with Matt Payton before on, on many occasions and, uh, you know, to hand the reins over and then have Oakley get there. I mean, that, that's huge. And that, that speaks to the program. It speaks to the community and the kids and everything they got going on over there. And, you know, um, great season and it will continue. Yeah. For Oakley, you, you feel like they're, they're coming to state with some unfinished business. The first year they got there, it was two years ago. Who'd they have to play in the first round? Raft River, <laughs> of course. Yeah, um, yeah. They 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 lost that game 37-42. They win the next two to take home the the consolation trophy. Then they get to state last year and they're up against it in the semis. They're taking on Big Bad Lapway, the big heavy favorite, you know, coming yep. into into the state tournament and they put on one of the all-time great defensive clinics. Uh, Addie yep. Mitten and company last year just stifled Lapway. They won 38-32. That was after they had to beat Grace in overtime, 33-28. So they get an OT win over Grace by five. They beat Lapway in the semis by six. They're like, hey, we got to the championship. Who's Who, who are we lined up against? Raft River. Uh, <laughs> no, really? <laughs> and they lose, they lose by four in last yeah. year's championship. Well, guess what? Ref River ain't going this year. So Oakley, I think, has a great opportunity to finally capitalize here. They brought home the consolation trophy. They brought home the second place trophy. I think yep. it's time. Time for them to bring home that blue trophy. Well, you know, and the thing is, it's it's funny, too, because there's always that Achilles heel. There's always that one team that just is that thorn in your side that you can't get rid of. But, you know, if you're Oakley, I mean, you don't think about those things, really, but you sort of do. And knowing that hey, you're looking at this bracket and raft river's not on it you're like okay all right <laughs> let's go you know because we just talk about those epic battles and it doesn't matter whether it's conference play district tournament state tournament they cannot get out of each other's way and now oakley can just breathe and go it's somebody else you know so I, i'm interested to see where they go this will be fun yeah so Oakley advances. And then last night, Scott, we had the third place game supposed to take place at Jerome, but you guys had a game of your own. So it got moved to Shoshone high school. Um, Murtaugh, uh, after losing by one in the championship, they didn't want to risk the, the play in game. They said, let's take care of business. Now we've missed out on state the last two years when we felt like we had a team that was good enough to go. Let's go get it. They win 68 to 43 over Valley last night. And so Murtaugh is headed to state for the first time in a couple of years. This was a big breakthrough for the Devils. You know, it, it was. And I, you know what I think? I don't know. I think there's a couple of things that play into to this one here. 
Um, the first thing is you lose a really tight game in the district championship. And then the very next day you got to turn around and fight again uh, to get to state. And there's always going to be that. How is my team going to respond? Uh, do we have enough into the, in the tank physically, emotionally, what are we going to look like in this play in game against a team that is coming in just flying high. Right. And that was Valley. But I think at the same time, you know, when you look at Murtaugh's dominance, I mean, I think they're looking at this going, okay, hey, if just play your game, we can take care of Valley. We've done it before. We're going to continue to do it. And I think it just sort of maybe settled everybody down. But, you know, if that's Rapt River coming around the other side to play them, you know, it might have been a little bit more tense. And I'm not taking anything away from Valley, but, I mean, you just look at the reality of the situation. You know, so there's two things happening there. How's your team going to respond? And then who is it that's coming back around to play you? There's a group of five seniors for Murtaugh this year, and they all were part of the team that got to state three years ago. They were all freshmen. And I'm sure at the time we're thinking, hey, this is awesome. Let's do it again. We're going to get there all four years. It's going to be great. And then you find out it, it's hard. It's hard to qualify for state. So they went through it as sophomores and juniors where they just missed out. And now here they are almost trying to complete the story as you were. Uh, five seniors, Ashley Stanger, uh, Addie Stanger, yep. Briley Widmere, Courtney Jensen, and um, I'm drawing a blank on the last senior, Scott. But um, anyways, this group, is now has a chance as seniors to come through and, and deliver. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. And, and there's always something to be said about experience and, you know, they definitely have it on their side. So, you know, um, coming out of this conference, they're going to be ready to fight, but that, that experience and that little hunger knowing that, Hey man, this is the last chance we're going to get with this. So, you know, if Murtaugh can keep it together, they could make a run. And who knows? Maybe we could see if the bracket's set up right, we could see an Oakley Murtaugh final. Yeah. And I guess I can't count, Scott, four seniors. I, I did have it right. So Jensen, oh, okay. the two Stangers, and Widmere. That's the uh <laughs> that's the the quartet uh for Murtaugh. You know, I'm looking at the bracket right now and the way the seedings are are looking to shake out. Oakley right now, Scott, would be the number two seed. Again, uh, this was yesterday before the district tournament games happen so oakley is right. two murtaugh is four for the moment uh, on opposite sides of the bracket and it looks like that could hold so oakley could get to the championship and go all right who are we playing and then they look at, oh it's murtaugh <laughs> uh, great <laughs> i know right it's like here we go again all right fine let's do it yeah uh okay and as for valley they still have a shot to get to state via this play-in game right up here. You mentioned it, Scott. Tomorrow, 3 p.m. Pacific time. That is 4 o'clock Mountain Time at Grangeville High School. They're going to play Lakeside. Scott, I got to see Lakeside with my own eyes on Wednesday oh. night. I was on the call for Lakeside's district championship win oh, over Wallace. That's right. That's right. I forget you're up north now. Yes, it is your typical Lakeside team. They have good athletes. Um, they had kind of been holding in their back pocket all year, this full court press. Um, they finally brought it out for the district championship and they, they got up 18 to six after one quarter and Wallace kind of never recovered after that. The one thing they don't have is any height. Their tallest player is probably like five, eight. So, you know, if Valley can, can find some success inside and 
not turn the ball over against this pressure defense, they're going to have a shot. They are. And, you know, you look at this, this lakeside team and, you know, they're, they're relatively young, you know, they've got three or four seniors on their roster is all. And they are, they're, like you said, they're athletic, not very big. They've got some quickness. Um, so it's going to be whether or not teams can exploit the pain on them and how are they going to defend that? Because the one thing that we see a lot at state tournaments is, you know, the teams that advance the most are the ones that actually can score inside the paint. And for a quick pressing team like Lakeside, they're going to have to make sure that they get layups because it's not going to be entering the ball to the post. And how do you do that? Well, you do that with defense. You do that with turnovers because, you know, the last thing that you, you want going into a, a state tournament is to try to win the, win the game or win the tournament from the perimeter because it doesn't happen. You've got to find a way to get the ball to the rim. If they don't have the post play, they better do it in transition. They better do it in defense. And that is what Lakeside's built for. Yep. So it'll be an interesting play-in game for sure. Good luck to the Vikings again. Bulletin board Bainey. I have projected Lakeside to win this matchup, but wow. uh, that, that might be my bias after I just saw them look so good on Wednesday night, Scott. Well, look at you. I mean, look at you just dissing all the Magic Valley teams now that you've moved up north. You know, you're safe. You're Nobody can touch you up there, right? So you can say what you want. Right. I won't give them your address for very cheap. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's go to the Great Basin Conference, uh, Scott. Class 4A, District 4. Uh, district Championship last night, Minico and Twin Falls. The Bruins led this game at halftime, Scott, they did. Um, by almost double digits. I think they had an eight-point lead at halftime. They had an eight-point lead you know, into the third quarter, and then Minico closes it out on a 24-to-1 run i've never seen anything like that before yeah i mean minico was just kind of getting they weren't in a rhythm you know i mean they they went into uh the half down by by six um but it was like they, they'd only scored 20 points in an in an entire half and that is i mean cj lotta can score 20 and a quarter if she wants sometimes but they just were out of sync out of rhythm they came out of that the locker room and kind of reestablished themselves a little bit, you know, out, outscoring twin uh, 15 to five, I believe in that third quarter and regained the lead going in. And then just down the stretch ended up pulling it away, you know, by nine, but man, that was, this is a twin team right now that is trying to get it done with defense they're trying to get it done by getting physical they're going to get up in your face they're going to try to create some turnovers and that's kind of where they've had their success down the stretch now the problem they're going to have is they're missing hallie egbert um without her in the lineup it, it makes the offensive side of things a little bit more of a struggle because she is obviously a a huge part of that bruin team but not having her well it, it forces you to change your your hand just a little bit because you're not going to go out there and get, you know, those two or three girls for the Bruins that can sit on the perimeter and bang shots. If they shut that down, then you better be able to D somebody up because the score is going to be a little bit tighter. It's going to be a little bit lower and twin is adjusted to that. And I think they had that working form for a lot of that game against Minico, but they're going to have to turn around and do it again tonight if they want to get to the state tournament. 
Yeah, Scott, you tell me if I'm wrong here because I, I did the 4A girls tournament last year and Twin was there. So I got to see him a couple of times and it was mostly the same group of girls that, that are there now. But Hallie Egbert is never, you know, very rarely does she lead the team in scoring on any other night. Obviously, Twin doesn't have a ton of size, so she, very rarely is she the leading rebounder. She's a great defender, but she is more importantly, to me, it looked like last year, the player that kind of gets everybody lined up and organized. She's kind of the the floor general, as that, it were, for this Twin Falls team. Right, and that floor general is so important because the floor general, I mean, that she's been has been invaluable to you know her team because it's not just about scoring. She can score. There's not not a question about it. And I mean, she doesn't have to go out there and score twenty a night, but it's just having that option there, you know, and then knowing that that's somebody that could maybe D up your, your best or second best player. You know, that's the person that can maybe keep everybody calm on the floor. Right. I mean, there's just a lot that goes on with that. And, you know, having, you know, her out of the lineup is, is, I mean, it, it makes them not as strong. I mean, this is a really good veteran twin team. That's got a lot of girls back and some really good players. Um, but uh, they got their work cut out for him tonight. And, you know, it's easy to forget, but their coach, Michael Lamaya, he can coach. Mm-hmm. He can coach. Yeah, no, he's been around. I mean, he, he for those that don't know, I mean, he was the filer guy for years and years and did a great job over there. And so he's now a twin in his second second year, I believe, second, yeah. second or third year. Yeah, right. And here they are one game away from, from going to state. And that game's going to be on the Bruin floor because they stole the seed from Jerome when they came over and knocked them off in the opening round. Yep. Even though Jerome is the two seed and twin is the three, they inherited that home court advantage by winning here in the semis 39 to 36. So let's get to it. I've projected now twin ever since they beat Jerome in this game, I've kind of projected twin as the second team to advance out of, out of the state tournament or to the state tournament. Uh, Justin Fitzgerald from the times news summed it up pretty succinctly here, Scott. So I'm just going to read what he wrote. It's a rematch of last year's true second place game, a 42 to 40 twin falls win with both teams taking the exact opposite road to get there compared to last year. Last year, Jerome won at twin falls in the conference tournament semifinals before losing at Minico in the district championship. This past Friday, the Lady Bruins won the semifinal 39-36 before they fell to Minico. He goes on to say, the Battle of the Bridge has become the closest rivalry in the Magic Valley with the last five meetings between the two teams decided by three points or less. And not only have the games come down to the wire, but the road team has won the last six meetings. I'd say that sounds like good news for Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't think we don't know that. Um, but I mean, that, that, that's the perfect summation of what's been going on with these two teams. Uh, they, they just, they match up against each other. Well, um, you know, Jerome has struggled a little bit down the stretch and it was injuries that really kind of were getting them. They had, uh, three of their, you know, top six girls were out and they were trying to work their way back and they trying to get back in time for the district tournament. So the first, you know, first couple of games, they were just limited on minutes. And what happens is now all of a sudden you've got to try to get that rhythm back, that team 
you know, gelling again because you're, you're a little discombobulated on the floor and you just haven't been, you know, playing together for a bit. And so they opened when they played Burley in the district tournament, they just, they didn't look right. You know, Jerome didn't, they were just out of sync and you could tell there was no rhythm. Well, when twin came over and knocked them off, it was, this was not the Jerome team that we have seen. They were out of rhythm. And all of a sudden Jerome's kind of going, what are we doing? Because we are not playing well. We have no rhythm. We have no fluency. We, we, just, we look like we haven't played together. And then they played Burley and for about three quarters, Burley was hanging with them and Burley should not have been hanging with them. But in that fourth quarter, it's almost like, boom, the switch flipped. And all of a sudden, that old Jerome team came back. And those players that were hurt were playing a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more competent. And you could see, okay, it's coming back, coming back, coming back. And then last night, they played Mountain Home, and they got off to a blistering start. They were up 20 to 5 like that. And you could see, okay, they're back, they're back. And so now they're taking some momentum across the bridge over to twin and um one game for it all we'll, we'll see what happens it's going to be a battle there's no question about it it always has been i can't wait uh twin of course trying to get to state for uh, the second year in a row jerome correct me if i'm wrong scott 2010 the last time jerome's girls got to state yeah that was that was on on the staff that that year so mm-hmm. it's been a been a long time so yeah, yeah i go i remember that team that was coaching it. It was a special team, a special time back for Jerome in that that time. Um, but it has been a good 12, 13 years since Jerome's been at the state tournament on the girls' side. Yep. All right. We did have a comment here from Jesse. He says, let's go Murta. Yeah, we talked about Murta a little while ago in that 1AD1. Let's wrap up with, mm-hmm. I think, as equally as good of a matchup tonight. 1AD2, Sawtooth Conference, Scott. It is Dietrich. It is Richfield for the fourth time this year. The Tigers are hoping this series goes to game five, the winner take all. Uh, Dietrich only needs one win to close out the championship here. They beat Richfield in this undefeated semifinal 51 to 33. That was last Thursday, right after we recorded, Scott. So I'd say Dietrich was pretty motivated. Um now we'll see. Richfield gets gets a shot at them, but they have to win twice, and that's always yep. the tricky part. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, you, you come in when you're Richfield after kind of a, a a loss like that, and you're licking your wounds just a little bit. You, you wonder where your head's at, you know, because Dietrich is – I think Dietrich is the better team. I mean, Dietrich is the, the more balanced, the, the just the tougher team. And Richfield's got the work cut out for him. Make no mistake. They can't, Dietrich can't score 51. Richfield has to keep this game in the 30s, kind of like a twin, kind of like a twin Jerome. They got to keep it in the 30s. Well, that's what what Richfield, you're right. And that's what Richfield does. I mean, they just, they predicate themselves on defense and slowing it down and maybe ugling it up and being physical. And, you know, they're going to have to do all of that and then some. Uh, to get by Dietrich, but you're right. They, they cannot allow Dietrich to get to 45. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, this game is tonight at Gooding. If Richfield wins winner, take all game five tomorrow night. Also at Gooding high. Uh, mm-hmm. and just so selfishly, I want it to go the distance. Let's go. The five oh, who, do, who doesn't, I mean, I don't care who you are. You're watching, you know, a best of seven series. You want a game seven always. I don't care who you are. Yeah. 
All right. So that is what's going on with all of the girls district tournament action here in the magic Valley. Before we wrap up with some quick boys basketball talk, Scott, uh, did you know that vaping is not safer than cigarette smoking? I mean, you might as well, you shouldn't do either, but if you think vaping is somehow healthier for you than smoke, you might as well just get a cigarette and do, I mean, they're both equally damaging. Yeah. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad stuff that our kids just are not getting yet. Well, and just maybe sometime they're going to get the message. Yeah. And at the same time, Scott, you're an administrator at a high school. Um, I'm sure you've seen this. Um, did you know that lots of teens and tweens are secretly vaping in classrooms, school bathrooms, and even at oh, home? Yeah. It, oh, it, it's, it's funny because schools are now getting like some grant money to put in like vape detectors. And so a lot of our schools have got them. And it, it doesn't matter what you do there. They always find a way, you know, and it's, it's, it's a huge problem because it's not detectable a lot of the times to a, to a teacher perhaps because it is odorless at times and it's secret. Even, I mean, clothing companies and stuff are, are making it easier to conceal, you know, by little secret pockets here and, and little places here. And I mean, it, this, this problem goes beyond the vaping companies because some of these other companies are piggybacking on top of that because they see uh, a money-making opportunity at the expense uh, of our kids. That's despicable. Clothing companies are doing that, man. Oh, it is. You ought to see some of the stuff that they're coming out with. And even, and even the people that are developing the, the, the vaping, you know, machines that they, I mean, they look like highlighters. Um, they, you can disguise them as anything that you want deodorant cans. So when you're going through somebody's stuff or you see something laying around, it's, it doesn't look like anything, but you're staring right at a vape and you don't know it. And, and that's what these companies are doing. They're, it's a multi-million dollar business right now, and they could care less, uh, who's suffering, you know? And it's just, it, it's disgusting. That's why the work that no vape is doing is so critically important because yeah. if you don't know, you don't know what to look for. And so again, no vape is Idaho public television's campaign to raise awareness about the dangers of youth vaping. Be smart. Don't start. And for teens out there or parents of teens that are out there watching no vape is holding a video contest. If you're from Idaho and you're between the ages of 13 and 18, you can enter the no vape video contest to expose the shadowy commercial tobacco marketing tactics behind vaping, as well as the known and unknown health effects, the misinformation about vaping and how addictive and harmful vaping can be for teens. All you have to do is create and then upload your 90 second vape bashing masterpiece. And you could win a portion of more than a $10,000 in prize money being awarded. Um, wow. That's a pretty cool deal for a high school kid. That is way cool. And, you know, gets you involved in a really good cause too. Yeah. So for more details, uh, just go to your favorite web browser, type in no vape Idaho. That's no with a K K N O W. And uh, you can get all the details from there. No vape Idaho. Be smart. Don't start. All right, Scott, we're going to wrap up with a, a little boys basketball convo. Uh, we're going to check in on the Wood River Wolverines this week because uh, not that long ago, I mean, Cooper Fife is a 
tremendous player for Wood River. We kind of talked about this last week. They always seem to have like one guy that is like a scoring machine, Johnny Radford, uh, a couple years ago. And now Cooper Fife has kind of taken that mantle. He put up 38 points recently in a game, which has got to be one of the highest point totals uh, of the season uh, for anybody in the Magic Valley. I mean, almost hitting 40, that's hard to do in a high school game. Uh, it, it really is. I mean, and, and this kid is, I mean, this kid's a real deal. I mean, he's, my opinion, the best player in the conference. And he's just one of those kids that um, he, he's, he's a two-way player. I mean, he can dominate on both sides of the ball, you know, and against Burley when he scored 38, I mean, he just picked him apart. I mean, he was able to create his own shots and, and playmaking and, you know, uh, score off of offensive rebounds. I mean, he, he's one of those kids that can just hurt you in so many different ways. And we talk about, you know, these scoring kids. And a lot of times these kids, they think that, and I've, and I've coached them before, and it's just been like trying to drill a, something into their head to make them understand, yeah, you need to shoot the ball, but you need to be able to create. You need to be able to find a way to score when your perimeter shot is off. You know, that means go crash the stinking glass. I mean, go get a steal and a layup. But a lot of these kids, when they think about scoring points, it's about, well, I'm just going to camp at the three and I'm just going to bomb away until I hit my number and that's it. And if I'm off, I'm off, I'm on, I'm on. That's not what good players do. And that's not what Cooper Fife does either. You know, so he's a kid that can beat you in a lot of different ways. Yeah, we have some action shots here. Uh, Coach Juan Martinez shared these with us, Scott. He also sent a couple of uh, highlight compilations from from YouTube, but they were like you yeah. know five five and six minutes long. So we just right. but you know we don't have time for that. But you can go to YouTube and look up. Cooper yeah, they're pretty highlights. cool. Plus, yeah, they're plus, pretty cool. Plus, Scott, I'm not gonna lie, saw a lot of Jerome defenders, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, before I sent you that stuff, I went back and edited it all out, and there's not one in there at all because we shut him down. I think he had like two points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here, here's what we got. Coach Martinez gave us some action shots here. Uh, this is him going toe to toe with one of the best defenders in the conference, Riker Stimson from Minico. Yeah, yeah, and and that's you know we've got some pretty good defenders in this in this conference and some height as well. And you know that Minico team is a very tall team, and uh, you know he was able to get it done against them. In fact. You know, Cooper is only the third player in Wood River history with a thousand points. You know, so that, that tells you how good this kid is and his capability every night. And you know, and this is a team that, I mean, they're they're on the doorstep of staring down a state berth right now, and that's something that Wood River boys basketball has not been able to say for quite a while. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, the next action shot, this is him in a non-conference game against Caldwell early in the season on his way to the basket. Mm -hmm. Even with the help defender there, I'm sure he scored. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and this is you know, this is what we're talking about. I mean, it's just the ability to get to the rim. Uh, and and, and he's, he's smooth. He's tall. He's, you know, he's, he's graceful on his, on his uh, attacks. You know, not just like a bull in a china closet where you get a linebacker with a football and he just runs over people. I mean, he knows how to finesse his way, you know, to the front of the rim. And, you know, this this particular Wood River team led by five. I mean, this is a team that's got 11 seniors on it, you know, and this is a group that's been together for quite some time. And when you get that, that allows people like Fife to 
to kind of settle in and know what your teammates are doing because you guys have played together for so long. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, you talked about that grace um, that Cooper can show. Here it is right at the bucket, laying it in for two. And then Coach Martinez labeled all of these photos for us, Scott. I love this last one. He he labeled it Coop de Loop <laughs> is, what he, is what he titled it as. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if you, if you know Coach Martinez, and I've, I've known uh, Coach for a while, uh, it's just he's such a personality. You know, um, he's, he's one of those guys that you just can't help but like he wears, I don't even know what kind of hat that he wears at all of his games, but he wears the, man, I I wish I'd, I wish I'd had him send me a picture of him, but you, you look at it and he's, he's just an interesting guy because he's, he's so likable, um, he had his, his younger sister was Cat uh, Martinez that played at Wood River, who was so good. Matter of, when I was coaching, we played against her, and so this is a te- this is a, a family that's been there for a bit. Juan is is part of that, but you look at him and you go like, "What is this guy doing? He's got the weird hat on. He's energetic. The kids love him, and they would run through a wall for him. But he's he he just is." an interesting guy and a very, very likable guy. And these kids at Wood River, they are responding to him uh, big time. And so I, I'm kind of, you know, secretly a fan of, of what they're doing right now. Yeah. From one one to another Juan Alvarado in the chat here. He's the football coach at Canyon Ridge high. Also a teacher. He goes, yeah, that five kid had a good game here against Canyon Ridge. He's a dude for sure. Um, and there's lots of dudes on this Wood River team. You mentioned it's got it's a varsity roster of what 12 players and 11 are seniors. That is just unheard of in today's game. What'll happen is a coach will look at that and go, "Well, if I want to build for the future at all, I can't I can't have this many seniors." And so he'll go to a couple and go, "Hey, you can come out for the team if you want to, but really you're going to be handcuffed to the bench and I'd understand if you wanted to do something else and you yeah. try to get a couple of kids to maybe not pursue it that way, or you just cut them. I, yeah. I've seen some ruthless coaches just cut a kid that's a senior because, Hey, we got to have some younger bodies, but coach Martinez is going the other way. He's leaning into it and going, yeah, 11 seniors. Let's do hey, it. We're all in. Let's do it. I mean, and it doesn't matter what classification size it is. When you get a class like this, that's coming through, I, it's just, it's rare. I mean, even 5A level, I mean, Wood River is really kind of more 3A than 4A in a lot of different things. And Wood River is one of those weird places that is hard to coach because it's it's a whole different makeup up there. Um, but this is a, a special class and, you know, they, they know what's in front of them. They know that they're staring at an opportunity to go to the state tournament for the first time since, you know, the early 2000s and would be the first time, I think, since they have been 4A. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's almost historic in a way what's going on up there and, and it's all eyes are on them, you know, I mean, they're going to have to get through some pretty good teams because right now that Canyon Ridge team under first year head coach, Alex Wells is really playing well. Um, They've got, they've got some height in the Hill kid. Um, They've got some weapons and they match up really well with, with Wood River. And so it's going to be a battle, but then you can't count out teams like, like Minico, who's kind of in the shadows twin, 
is right there. So this is going to be a really good district tournament in this conference. But right now, I think all eyes are just kind of watching to see what what Wood River does. Yeah, Scott, as we approach the end of the regular season here, programming note, Saturday, we're going to have a little Magic Valley game night on IdahoSports.com. Boys basketball, Jerome at Burley. Two teams that are trying to get some momentum going into the postseason to potentially play the role of spoiler. Two pretty evenly matched teams. I think that's going to be a fun one for everybody to tune in and watch Saturday night. Yeah, it it will be. And, you know, and it's uh, it's there's something on the line for seeding in the in the district tournament. And, you know, and I feel uh, I feel for Coach Messick at Jerome just because, I mean, he's without a doubt, one of the best coaches uh, in the state of Idaho. And we're just dang lucky to have him. Um, but I mean, what he's been able to do with such a limited roster, he's got everybody hurt. I mean, I mean, he is a mass unit, just kids are, you look down, there's nobody on the bench. You know, when we show up and we set up for the games, we just put out like four chairs. That's all they need. <laughs> because unless they're all sitting down at the same time, you're not going to need them. You know, they, they had seven dressed up the other night. Um, and their senior is out. Their leader is out. You know, it's just, but I tell you what, they go up there and they play hard. They went up to Wood River a couple nights ago and just played the rear ends off and Wood River pulled away in the end. It was just, they're going to play hard. They're just a little bit, they don't have enough soldiers right now. And that was a team that I thought could play spoiler in this conference if they were at full strength. But, you know, we'll see. That'll be a good Magic Valley game night uh, on Saturday. For sure. And then at, at, the, at the top of the standings, you know, Canyon Ridge 11 and one. And then you look at Twin is eight and three. Wood River is eight and four. Minico is seven and four. So Wood River's completed their league slate. They're done. They're locked in. Twin plays Saturday night against Mountain Home. We think they'll probably win that. Mountain Home hasn't won yet this year. But if they lost, then you're looking at a, a tie between them and Wood River. And then Minico is seven and four. You're looking at a potential three-way tie in the loss column. Now, Minico is kind of done too, Scott. There was a game with Jerome earlier this year. Uh, they got wiped out because of weather and just couldn't make it up, right? So how does that impact the standings if if there well, was a tie? If, if it came down to it, then it would be uh, more or less a, a, a two-for-one uh, loss for uh, Jerome meaning that, uh, you know, Minico beat them once and that might count for the two losses. I mean, we're going to see how the rest of this plays out, but I think that would be the solution. Um, sometimes you just can't get it scheduled because of both teams or just don't have the openings. And, and then, then you look at down the road too. It's like, well, is it going to matter? And there's no state law that says a rule that says you have to make it up. It's all based on what your conference decides. So you know, a lot of people were thinking, well, the state rule says you have to know it. It, it. You don't, you know, you just, your conference has to dictate that. But yeah, you're looking at this, you're looking at this Canyon Ridge twin, Wood River, Minico, you know, those are the ones. And, and what is happening right now is I think Minico is the one that could play spoiler. And you're looking at a conference that is going to take two teams out of there. And there are right now three and a half that have a legitimate shot you know i think canyon ridge canyon ridge should qualify i mean if they don't finish in the top two then then they'll have a collapse or an injury or something has happened the second place battle is is really kind of what's interesting because 
twin would river and Minico be in the spoiler because Minico has just got some size and it's, it's tough to, to compete against size if they can get that going in the right direction. But, you know, don't, don't count out twin. Um, they, they certainly can knock off Canyon Ridge. What river can, man, what I, I'm just looking at this going, I don't even know what, how to predict this. Yeah. It's going to be tough. It is because every team, those three all have, you know, good guard play and, and some height. You know, you look at Minico, you mentioned it, Dominic Soto at six, six and way mint is, you know, six, four, six, five, something like that. They've got Riker Stimson out front. And then you look at twin, right? It's all these Jared mix and, um, Logan Pittard and, um, all these great guards that have been there for 10 million years, I feel like. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got all those guys back from last year and, you know, they're, they're experienced. And then Canyon Ridge is the one team that I think talent wise, top to bottom has got it all. It's just that they don't have the culture of winning yet because they, for the longest time had just underperformed. They, they, they had the most talent for several years in our conference, but they just didn't know how to win. And the rest of us are going, continue that, continue that. Because the minute you figure it out over there is the minute we're all playing for second. And, and Coach Wells over there came in, got their attitude adjusted, and now they're playing. And everybody's like, okay, well, we figured this day was coming. And here's Canyon Ridge atop the standings, and we're all looking at second place. Yeah, and it's just one last thought, and then we'll wrap it up here because we've gone long, and I apologize for that, Scott. Um, but the the coaches in this league, you know, Joe Messick at Jerome's is kind of the dean of the coaches, the elder statesman, if you will, and then Brian Bethel at Mountain Home has been there for ten plus years. But other than that, it's all relatively new guys. You know, I think Coach Martinez at Wood River is third three. longest in terms yeah. of seniority, and I think he's been there three or four years, and yeah, then the rest. Are all first year guys? You look at yeah. or, or second year. You know Brad Caracia at Burley is in his second year, and uh, Max Stannard, who used yep. to coach Burley, is now in yep. his first full year at Twin, and then Alex Wells at Canyon Ridge. You mentioned, and then Minico, uh, Brady Trankel, of course, retired last year, and Doug Manning, longtime assistant coach, is now leading Minico in his first season. So there's a lot of new blood too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Joe's been there for about 45 years. And uh, second in line is um, Juan in his third year. And there you go. After that, it's like, Grandpa Joe, what do we do now? <laughs> I'm going to have some fun with that one today. I can't wait to get back. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I, I shouldn't be saying that for a guy that really wants to keep him on staff, right? So, uh, oh, it's Screw it. Grandpa Joe it is. I'm going to go. I'm going to go tease him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It sounds like a game plan. Uh, So again, uh, of course, Magic Valley game night, Saturday night, Jerome at Burley boys basketball. You can tune into that on IdahoSports.com. Otherwise uh, next week, Scott, instead of you and I, it'll be our girls basketball state preview special. That is going to be Tuesday night, seven o'clock mountain time live uh, right here on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter account. Should be a good time. Yeah, and so we will get back to the Magic Valley prep cast, what, two weeks from now? Yes. And uh, we'll have a lot to talk about because Girls State will be over. We can recap some of 
Magic Valley teams and would be right into the thick of things with boys district tournaments. So it doesn't end. It just gets busier. That's right. Blurred lines for sure. So thanks for tuning into the Magic Valley PrepCast, everybody. Uh, Scott's thoughts is something we normally do here on the show, but Scott, we've gone so long today. I'm yep, just going to push that. It. Yep, we'll table it because uh, we've gone over the hour mark, which is usually not a good sign, especially on a Friday when you've got to get ready for a district tournament game tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you got two guys here that could just talk for six hours. It's probably time we shut it down. <laughs> yes, for sure. And we thought coming in, ah, oh, this will be a shorter one. We'll just rip through the brackets. And it's funny how that works sometimes. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.